Transform your home and make space for more fulfillment and joy. Get personalized help with transforming your home from a nationally recognized professional organizer. Are you ready to commit to making a lasting change? Presenting the Clear Space, Clear Mind virtual organizing sessions. Simply visit www.barbiejoe.com to book your session today. Hi, this is Barbie Joe, and you are listening to Don't Get Lost in the Laundry. This is a show for busy moms and families where we talk about household order and function. We'll discuss tricks of the trade and systems to improve family life and managing a household. Hello, everyone. Barbie Joe here, and welcome to another episode of Don't Get Lost in the Laundry. Today, I have Lisa Woodruff, who is a home organization expert, productivity specialist, and author of The Mindset of Organization, Take Back Your House One Phase at a Time, How ADHD Affects Home Organization, and The Paper Solution. Lisa believes organization is not a skill you are born with. It's a skill that is developed over time and changes with each season of life. Lisa has helped thousands of women reclaim their homes and finally get organized with her practical tips, encouragement, and humor through her blog and podcast at organize365.com. Welcome to the show, Lisa. I'm so excited to have you today. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to become a professional organizer. Barbie Joe, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here with you guys today. I started out as an actual born organized kid. Like I loved to organize my bedroom. I got disorganized in my late 20s when we had two children within two years. But after a year or two, I got organized again. And I felt like every time I got organized, that was my superpower. And I was able to take on more and more until I hit 39. And by the time I was 39, I had been disorganized for a few years. Everything I tried didn't work to get me organized again. So I ended up quitting my job in December when I was 39, getting ready to turn 40. I felt like I had been disorganized for years at this point. I had no idea how to take control of my house, of my marriage, of my kids, of our income. Like, the world was just spiraling out of control. And then that year, I decided to start the blog Organize 365 and just take back my home and and get back to... You remember when you were a kid and you would be so disorganized and you take the weekend and you would organize your bedroom and then you felt like you could tackle the world again? I needed to do that in my life. Like I needed to do that with my house. And I gave myself the year to do that, even though we were in debt and going more and more in debt. And throughout the course of that year, I realized I actually was a professional organizer and I was an organized person. I was just going into a different phase of life and that organization was a learnable skill. And I grew my business from there. That's incredible. And I'm so glad you touched on the fact that it is a learned skill because a lot of people think that, oh, you're born with it or you're not. So that's wonderful. I would love to talk more about this book you wrote because I know a lot of our audience members either have ADHD themselves or children with ADHD. And they often find that uh, kind of debilitating, kind of like a crippling reason not to become organized. So talk to us about that. 
Yes, I totally understand what you're talking about. In my first year of organizing, almost every single person that I professionally organized for either had a clinical diagnosis of ADHD or suspected that they had ADHD. And my two children that I mentioned earlier um, are both adopted. And when they were in school, they were both diagnosed with ADHD and learning disabilities. So being an educator and a research-oriented person, I had done so much research into how to support them both at home and in school with their learning differences and in their ADHD and with my professional organization clients. And I realized that as a former educator, all of the helps that we put into place in the classroom or in work, they'll put things in place in your place of employment that support you with ADHD are all taken away at home and are not there for you when you're at home. And specifically for women who choose to take off a little bit of time, even just a year, to stay home with their kids, if they are diagnosed with ADHD or suspect that they have ADHD, they never feel like they can get organized enough at home to go back and go back to work because the complexity of running a household, managing children, and working all at the same time are too many different things to juggle. So one of my first professional organization clients in that first year was a mom who had two children who had autism. And we were organizing her master bedroom and it took us all day. Like it was, it was just a mess. And one of the things that I noticed when I was a professional organizer is that we often save things that have hard memories associated with them. Like you'll often find these things in people's bedrooms and in their closets that are associated with past abuses or losses. It's, it's, an unbelievable amount of pregnancy losses or stillbirths are in women's closets and bedrooms. And we come across these all the time. And so I'd been working with this client and we were a couple of hours into our session and she was totally overwhelmed. So I sent her to the store to buy hangers. I didn't even need hangers. I just sent her to the store to get hangers. I said, get us coffee too, and then go, you know, get your lunch. And I said to myself, I have to get this closet done before she gets back because she's at her breaking point. Like we just need to finish it. So when she came back, the closet was done. Of course, she had these hangers I didn't need. And she walked in and she started crying. And I was like, yes, I did a great job organizing this closet. Like I've done such a great job organizing clothes. And she just cried. And she looked at me and she said, oh my gosh, I can go back to work now. And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, I couldn't go back to work because I didn't know how to get dressed in the morning and get the kids out the door. But now I could see I could actually get dressed so I can go back to work now. And that's when I realized our houses are holding us back from our lives that we're supposed to be living, specifically as women. I don't think men are holding us back. I think our expectations at home and the ability to get caught up at home are the things that are holding us back. And it's significantly more for people who struggle with ADHD. Wow, that's an amazing story. And that paints such a clear picture for all of us that we can all relate to. Now, what are some tips and tricks do you have for somebody who has not yet had help within the home? How can they get started? So specifically, if you feel like you have ADHD or you've been diagnosed with ADHD, I is it okay if I explain just a little bit more about that diagnosis and how it inhibits our ability to get organized? Absolutely, yes. Okay, so what I learned with my kids is that there are actually eight different things that the prefrontal cortex of your brain does 
that's the front part of your brain that is the decision making and holds all of your ideas inside of its head while you're making decisions. And these are called your eight executive functions. And when you have a deficit in a certain amount of these, that is how you get a clinical diagnosis of ADHD. But I just want to say, no one has perfect executive function and no one has no executive function. So ADHD is a spectrum disorder and diagnosis in which some of these executive functions function higher than others. So of the eight, my son was deficient in seven. And I went to the headmaster at the school and I said, hey, my son is deficient in seven of these eight that you just mentioned. And she goes, we know. And I said, well, you don't even have like a couple that are strong that we can like use to bring the other ones up. Like, what are we going to do here? And she's like, don't worry, don't worry. And it's true. Like we have increased his executive functioning over time through strategies, through medication, through, you know, modifications. You can do this. So step one is really figuring out what specific executive functions do you or your children struggle with the most? And then there are strategies for every single one. So there are eight executive functions. I only cover six of them in my book and they are flexible thinking. Flexible thinking is like being able to see a cabinet as used for a different way. Like you're able to see different possibilities for the same item, not just one use for each item that you have. Working memory is the second one. This is the one that as a middle school math teacher, I was often able to predict which children would get an ADHD diagnosis because in fourth grade, when you learn long division, at least that's when I learned it, um, the children that struggle with working memory miss a step in long division. They have a hard time holding multiple things in their head. So that's when you're walking through and you're like, you get in the kitchen, you go, I know I came in here for something, but I don't remember what it was. That's working memory. That number actually shows up on an IQ test. So if you have a child or you yourself have ever had the WISC, the W-I-S-C, there's a working memory number in there that will tell you what that is. The next one is self-monitoring. That is the ability to see the progress that you've made. Like if you constantly feel like you're making no progress and you cannot see how much progress you've made, that is a self-monitoring executive function. The next one is task initiation. That's getting started. Um, And it's not just getting started on getting organized. It's realizing that every time you have to transition to another step in a task, that's a new task initiation Um, I realized this most with Joey when he had to make a bagel. And I realized to make a bagel with cream cheese and toast it is like 17 steps. And each of those steps required task initiation. Get the bagel out, get the toaster out, get the cream cheese out. And for him, because at that time he struggled so much with task initiation, each of those steps required a lot of um, strategy for him and caused a lot of anxiety for him. And then the last two, which are actually executive functions, are planning and organization. And I obviously work with those as well. Wow, that is so interesting. And better describes everything. It just paints such a clear picture of really how to understand, you know, ADHD. So, okay, this is this is incredible. So, what would you say are your best strategies for um overcoming that anxiety or that inability to get started. So I create a script for people to follow. And 
most of us live our lives based on habits. Like habits are super popular to talk about and and developing habits and stopping bad habits. And the reason why it's so powerful is because a habit or anything that you do repetitively over and over and over again bypasses a lot of this working memory, free frontal cortex. So like, even if you struggle with ADHD, as my son did with seven out of the eight, once you establish in the morning, you get up, you go to the bathroom, you brush your teeth, you get in the shower, you don't even think about it anymore. But in order to establish that habit takes much longer if you struggle with some of these specific executive functions to get the habit ingrained. But once you can get the habit ingrained, then your body goes on autopilot and you don't have to work so hard. So I've created kind of like a getting started habit for organizing that tends to work with people who struggle with some of these executive functions. And I've combined a lot of them into one. So when you're ready to get organized, you go in a space. And the first thing you do is you scan the room for um, food and dishes. And you audibly say it out loud. Food and... No, I'm sorry. You start with trash. (laughs) You start with trash. And you say, trash, trash, trash. And you look around the space and you look for anything that is trash. So anything that is broken, anything that needs to be thrown out, um, anything that's misplaced is just trash. And when you are done scanning the room for trash, you look around the room one more time saying trash, trash, trash. Now we say it out loud. It's really funny. And everybody who follows me now does it. Children do it. All people do it. What you're doing when you audibly say trash, trash, trash is you're keeping your working memory focused on your words because we get distracted. We walk in a space, we're looking for trash, we see a magazine, we're like, oh, I wonder when I'm going to read that magazine. Have I unsubscribed from that magazine? And all of a sudden you realize, I'm saying something. What am I saying? And then you think, oh, I'm saying trash. Oh, that's right. I'm supposed to be picking up trash. Like it keeps you focused on picking up trash. Also, whenever you go in any space, no matter what it is, there will always be trash. So that is like your getting started routine. It helps you with task initiation. It helps you with working memory. And it gets you started on organizing. Once you've surveyed the room for trash, tied up the trash, taken it to the trash and come back, the second thing you say is food and dishes. I don't know about you, but in my house, food and dishes end up everywhere. I have teenagers. And then you do the third thing you do is you walk in and you say laundry, which is perfect for this podcast because clothes end up everywhere. Shoes, backpacks, coats, I don't know, socks end up all over my house. By the time you're done with that, 15 minutes may have passed. And I say, good, you're done organizing now. You've done trash, you've done food and laundry, and you're done with that space. And doing that over and over and over again, eventually your body gets so used to walking in a space. We look for trash, we look for food and dishes, we look for laundry, and then you're primed and ready to move into actual organizing after that. That is so great. That is such a a life-changing Uh, pivot here that we can incorporate into our lives with our children and even with ourselves if we're dealing with this. Now, that kind of leads me to, uh, you know, my process of walking into a room that is super overwhelming and causing me severe anxiety and stress. I will often narrow in on just one item Mm -hmm. and just say, whatever my eye lands on first, that's it. That's where I'm starting. You know, I see a crayon. Okay, that's it. We're looking for crayons. But I like how you have a system in place to where, you know, it's one, two, and three. And these are the things we're going to do over and over again to create that muscle memory 
that is a game changer. I love that. It really sets you up perfectly for how you are tackling a room. This specifically gets people who struggle with executive functions started in in the mindset of in motion. You know, an object in motion is easier to stay in motion. They may have trouble walking in the room and seeing something and getting started. This will get them in that organizing mindset. That is a key to success. Thank you for sharing that. That is great. Um, Now, here you say that we use our brains like to-do lists and our to-do lists never get done. So how do we create a system to get our to-dos done and use our brain for thinking and the complexity it was designed for? So this is another struggle. For me, I do not have ADHD, but I struggle with way too many ideas that I can actually implement. And so whether you have ADHD or you have more ideas than you know how to implement, I have yet to meet anyone who's actually created a to-do list that they've finished. (laughs) To-do lists just have more and more and more things added onto them. And even if you're a very productive, organized, and planned person, a never-ending to-do list becomes overwhelming and sometimes you feel defeated. And so the system that I created back when I had those two kids under two, and then I revitalized again when I quit my job in December of 2011, is what I call the Sunday basket. And the Sunday basket is just a decorative basket that I put on my kitchen counter where I defer all of my ideas and my to-dos into the basket. I write them on index cards and I throw them in the basket. I throw all my mail in the basket. If something needs to be fixed, I throw it in the basket. And then once a week on Sunday, I go through all of those actionable to-dos and ideas that I've had through the week. And because they're all grouped together at one time and they're not emotional ideas that I have in my head, they're just unemotional pieces of paper that have ideas on them, I'm able to sort them almost like playing cards and like, this is a good idea. This is a bad idea. This one's already done. And I take a look at all of the ideas that are left. And I only pull out the ones that I can realistically actually get done during the next work week. And I leave the rest until a future time. Sometimes they never actually materialize into getting done. And sometimes six months later, I'll pull something out and it actually gets done. But it makes my work week more manageable with the quantity that I need to get done. That's really great. I love that concept. Now, why should we and can we sort our household and paid work ideas and to-dos without forgetting anything then using this system? Yes. So I actually have a Friday work box for my work ideas and a Sunday basket for my Sunday ideas. And we have them separated because we are multifaceted, multi-passionate people who do not have work-life balance. And you're at work and you're thinking about home. You're at home, you're thinking about work, or you're just sitting down doing your to-do list and it's mixing back and forth all of the time. Um, Being able to write all of those ideas individually on index cards or just any kind of little piece of paper you have, and then dividing them. Is it a work idea? Is it a home idea? And then bucketing that planning time Friday for work and Sunday for home really gives you planned time to focus on which to-dos you're going to get done when. And the biggest bummer out of this is not writing down all of your ideas and sorting them. The biggest bummer is realizing that 
your to-do list is unreasonable and is never going to get done and that you have to become much more choosy about the items that you're actually going to say are getting done this week and have much fewer of them, but actually get them done. And so it's reducing your expectations for yourself. Ah, that's great. That is so important too, especially as busy moms. We like to take on the world and then some. (laughs) For sure. Okay. Now, as we stated earlier, organization is a learnable skill. Now, how as an adult can we learn to acquire this skill? When I set out to teach the skill of organization, like I thought as an educator, it was something you taught one-to-one. That's what I did in professional organization. But I had had a blog in 2009 and I knew there had to be a way to teach this online. And I surmised there were two ways to teach it. One was through story. We all learn best through story. Like I'm sure you've learned some nugget through this podcast that you didn't know before. And that's how we learn. We learn by people telling stories. So I started a podcast in 2007 and I specifically did a podcast and not a YouTube channel because I wanted people to be hearing my voice, but picturing their own space in their head as I shared stories so that you could imagine what I'm saying as I was telling that story earlier about the closet. I'm sure you were thinking about your own closet. But if I was on YouTube, you'd be looking at my closet or someone else's closet. And I thought that if it was an audio way of teaching, that people would be able to listen to the stories and the ideas, but think about them in their own house. So that would paint the picture of what that would look like in their own house. And then the second part of teaching organization, especially virtually like this, is that when you're teaching organization, you have to break it down into miniature chunks. So some people who are already organizationally inclined or who had been organized in the past and are not now, they can read an organization book and that motivates them to take everything out of their closet, get it organized and put it all back in. But if you've never achieved organization in the past and you empty out your closet, you now have your closet in your bedroom. You do not have a new organized system. It's very frustrating. And what I learned was I had to break down the tasks inside of the home into 100 individually organized spaces that I could teach you from start to finish in 15 minutes or less. So like organizing your silverware drawer. Why does a silverware get get organized? How do you organize one? And then you do it. Okay, you did that. Now let's do your utensil drawer. Okay, you did that. Okay, now let's do your kitchen drawer. Now your kitchen desk drawer. Now that I've showed you all three, I'm going to tell you why any drawer anywhere in your house stays organized. Now you know how to organize drawers. So it's very um, microscopic teaching of a skill. And then after you've done it in a couple of spaces, I tell you why that's working so that you can extrapolate it out to your nightstand drawer or your bedroom drawer or another drawer, any drawer that you come into contact with. After you've done those three kitchen drawers, you now know how to organize. That's fantastic. So I love now that you are reaching the masses and you're able to share your knowledge and your expertise with more people than just being one-on-one. Now, how did you transition from that, from being, you know, in somebody's home, being their pers- professional organizer, to being this online professional organizing coach? Yeah, it takes a while, right? So Organize 365 is nine and a half years old. And when I look back, about every three years, we did something different. So the first three years, I built a blog and an in-home professional organizing business. 
the next three years, I transitioned to an organizing team in home that was not me. We started the podcast and we created the 100-day program. And in the last three and a half years, we've transitioned to a corporate headquarters with um, no in-home organizing and a team of 15 and physical products that we sell that support our teaching online. And now everything we do is online. Nothing is in person. That's so great. I think that's a wonderful way to reach more people and create change, you know, turning one stone over at a time. So I applaud you for that. That is awesome. So tell us, how can one find you or learn more about what you teach? So you're listening to a podcast. You probably like podcasts. Um, If you like the stories I've been telling, I would love for you to check out the Organize 365 podcast. And if you're interested in the programs and services that we have, you can find those at Organize365.com. That's so great. Thank you so much for being on the show today and sharing with us just a bit of your expertise and knowledge, which I can tell is a lot. And that... You know, we have much to learn from you. So thank you so much for sharing that with us today. Thank you, Barbie Joe. Thank you for listening to Don't Get Lost in the Laundry. Don't forget to check out my website at barbiejoe.com. And if you liked this episode, you've got to subscribe. I'd love to have you join me. Bye for now. 